0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of Weaving Myths, Season 3. Weaving Myths is a podcast focused on tabletop role-playing games and specifically playing them through the play-by-post format. I'm your host, Noah. <laughs> He's
1: your host, Nathan. And- I swear,
0: I can do this. I'm your host, Nathan, and joining me today is Amy.
1: Hi!
0: Colin. Hello, everyone. And Eric. Good evening. We are all staff or members of Mythweavers. Chibi Amy is a special guest joining us for the second episode in a row. One of the largest play-by-post gaming websites in existence. We are here to help bring your game to the next level. If you're not familiar with Mythweavers, you can find it at myth-weavers.com. As always, we are joined by the impeccable text chat, which members of Mythweavers are using right now to ask questions and contribute to the discussion. If you too would like to be part of the text chat, feel free to join us on the Mythweavers Twitch channel, every Saturday that we feel like doing a show at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This week, we're going to be talking about epic things. Whether it's a big story, a big battle, or big characters, it's time to go big or go home.
2: Epic.
0: (laughs) A relic from the past making an appearance there?
2: It's not that old. It's relatively new. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but my friend describes it as the designers wanted to get as close as they could to magic without having a mana pool. Okay. But that's beside the point. Let's talk epic.
1: (laughs) Epic!
0: So, before we get started, um, a quick explanation of what we're looking to talk about with epic. When we refer to epic, there's a really good definition for it, and it's basically a, well, in traditional style, an epic is a long narrative poem written in an elevated style, uh, meaning that they use fancy language and... Like, there's long-winded sections about how his hair blew in the wind that day. But usually, the heroes of epics are very important to the history and legends of a certain location, world, whatever it is, as they perform various deeds. So the setting is usually vast in scope. It covers great nations, the world, even the entire universe in some epics. And the action that happens in the story is important to the history and shaping of the world, or even just like the culture of a people or a nation. I mean, it's it's important to all those things. So that's kind of what we're aiming for when we say epic.
2: I mean, to me, an epic really has to to change the world in some way, shape, or form. If you're not having an impact on the way some big group of people lives their lives, it's not really an epic it doesn't necessarily have to cover a big amount of space. I mean, consider, say, the Iliad. It's pretty much focused around Troy. There's some other scenes that here and there are nearby, but you know, but that was a big deal because it changed the whole Greek and uh, you know, Asia Minor course of events. So epic.
1: There's also the odds that you're going up against as well that have to be epic. You can't, for sake of democracy or whatever Greek democracy they couldn't just vote in a new benevolent tyrant that didn't actually change much but with the Iliad their gods and my gods have a stake in all this and they are fighting these great odds and so curious Lord of the Rings epic it was certainly written to be epic given that you know He had studied a lot of epic poetry, Beowulf and stuff, in his studies of Anglo-Saxon culture and everything. So that was kind of the tradition.
2: And just consider the page upon page of describing the landscape and the travels. And he sets it with the high language of epic, even though it's not... Robert Jordan epic, or <laughs> George R.R. R. Martin epic, or Brandon or
0: Sanderson epic.
2: Brandon Sanderson epic. Right. <laughs> an epic story doesn't have to be a story on an epic scale of uh, War and Peace, which, honestly, when you consider the epics that some modern writers have written, crams a whole lot of character development and events covering the course and and events uh, shaping a nation in, you know, a thousand pages or so. So it doesn't have to be wordy to be an epic.
1: That's the thing. When does it get to be too much when these authors are trying to do an epic story and the trend right now is more along the lines of the bigger, the better, where like Tolkien with Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, which was just a trilogy. And it's gotten larger and larger and larger.
2: You know, story creep.: Yeah, I feel like we could probably spend episode upon episode talking about that.
1: But I like this one character. I'm going to go tell his story that he did over there while this character was over there doing that thing. But I'll tell that.:
2: Bumblebee, anybody?
3: You <laughs> know, I've heard I've heard that's the one that redeems things. OK, but you know, it's, it's not directed by Bay. Oh, well, then it's fine. I love how all three of you go,
0: okay, maybe. (laughs) Okay, there's hope. There's hope here.
2: (laughs) That does bring us back to what we're talking about here, which is epic and play-by-post terms. What makes an epic play-by-post? If it's going to have a lot of words, it's going to, by necessity, cover a long period of real time. And that could be a challenge. We've already discussed that in at least several episodes so far. But certainly certainly bears consideration for epic storytelling
1: yeah i for epic in play by post i like the use that people have come up with finding like concept art that they're using which shows these grand landscapes or uh also putting in music that kind of builds because it is such a mode of attrition play by post and Who wants to sit down and write a novel just to describe where you're at when you're trying to keep your players interested?
0: So, in play by post, I don't know that I've ever seen this, but I do know that a common staple of like epic stories is to do a sort of recap every now and then. Have you guys ever done like a recap in play by post? No,
2: it's go ahead, Colin.
3: I was just gonna say, in my games, well, even when I Get new players. Typically, they just go back and read. There's not typically a recap. But then again, I get the weird players that will read two years worth of. Oh God, why is he GMing?
1: I have seen the prologues. I have seen instead of doing an end of chapter recap, I have seen jams who will do a quick prologue to catch new players up on the story, or even just to begin the play-by-post. And then when you get dropped in, everything kind of works out really well there.
2: I've done both. Part of that is that I still have several games that are, well, one of them just crossed the decade mark a couple months ago, and another couple which are in the eight to nine year timeframe. Eventually, even the best players are going to forget what you as the GM consider key details to the plot. And so occasionally putting out that recap just to recenter everyone, you know, kind of helps out with that.
3: Is that how that's supposed to work? I'm doing that backwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Where do you see, get one of two idea. players
3: with a fantastic memory going, Oh, don't you remember this detail that you revealed to us in chapter one? <laughs> oh, right, that yes, detail. Yeah, totally. Yes, Good memory. I just I testing too. you. But
1: yeah, the, the, that the, com-
2: the recap. Can help the GM, too. Also, (laughs) if if you're not into a long-winded recap, it can help to keep a journal of events as you go. Just to come along, here's the things that the players did. Here's the key points they discovered. So they can go back and use that as their handy reference. It's a quicker read than 10 years' Uh, worth of posts. If you're going to go bring in
1: a new character. Even just an outline of what happened. You know, just that quick journal. Here's your outline. We're going through
0: Actually, I just thought about this, but every, so in most of my games, I do a rewards thread where I go for doing blank and blank and blank, you get X rewards. I think that is also a good way to keep a, like a, a mini journal of what's going on. It's like, okay, the players did this and they got this reward. They did this and got this reward. So that is another way to do it, I think.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. It also helps then when you're, if you're in a game, which requires advancement mechanics. Somewhere where they can go reference, how much experience am I supposed to have right now?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, here's the, the chronology of it.
0: Right. What did I do to get to that experience level? Here's the... Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Which, I've what? done nothing of this, by the way.
0: You're, you're still learning.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll get you there. <laughs> now, I've been on the receiving end. I just...
2: Another thing that an epic story... You know, if it's a long epic in play-by-post terms, it's going to have to deal with this character attrition, which we've also talked about in several episodes. But I think that the motifs of epic storytelling can actually help out in this regard because, go back to War and Peace, there's hundreds of characters in there and the focus shifts from character to character to character to character. G.R.R. Martin, people who you thought were important, protagonist-type characters who get randomly killed off, (laughs) the focus shifts to someone else. I mean, I don't advocate killing people off all the time. But on the other hand, it's, it's one way with that you can get around the unavoidable character attrition problem. If you build your epic to say, this is my one focused protagonist and everyone else is kind of in a supporting role around them, and that person just ghosts on you, it can really ruin your game. So being able to shift the focus and talk about other people's stories, not just the, the one chosen one.
1: Well, it's also hard on the player, let alone any nutrition that happens. It's hard to feel that responsibility as a player. It's like, oh, my gosh, I have to have something good every single post that I do. And, you know, I have to be brilliant right now. And I have to carry this. It's like, no, no, there's role play gaming. Role play gaming is collaborative from the get go. It always has been.
3: Unless you've got that player whose character isn't the brightest and will just monologue forever.
0: Oh, fate! I regret reading those posts. I regret reading them so badly. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Never again.
3: You say never again, but she's going to keep posting. For those that are not in the loop on this, call me Fate's character in my Stars Without Number game.
0: Okay, I just, I gotta, I gotta do this. Oh,
2: God. Let me see if this will actually work. Nathan's gone experimental.
0: Oh, yeah. Call Me Fake keeps the game
3: moving by threatening to monologue if it doesn't.
0: (laughs) uh, And that threat has worked on everyone. That's
1: just, uh,
0: yeah. Um, I just want people to look at this. This is all, I'm not, I'm not going to leave this up for very long because I don't want people's heads to explode.
1: Oh my gosh, that's
0: brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So uh, And for her- those of
3: you looking at it going, oh my god, it's a run-on and she didn't break it up by paragraphs. No, that's intentional. Yep. Because uh, you read it as someone just rambling incessantly. Yep, here's another one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well we
2: could spend a whole episode just on Call Me Fake posts, but uh, Oh god, yes we could. I
3: think the there's next only- episode? Nope, I think those are the
0: only two at the moment. <laughs> oh no, there's
3: God, there are pages upon pages of those. She spent easily a couple hundred words with her character contemplating how nice the bulkhead's deck and overhead of a passageway were.
0: Yes.
2: This without is re- can without can repeating no herself.
3: If you're playing a character that's not, not right, being able to play him that well is magnificent and torturous for the game master.
2: <laughs> oh my god! Wow. So we can have a an epic play by post game without having to be story on an epic scale of of extreme length and ferocity.
3: Can be epic scenes
1: or yeah. or you know like the adventure paths or uh, Adventures League or uh, Pathfinder Society. Those do chin tend to be world-changing.
2: I mean, if you look at many epic tales, there are ordinary people who turn out to be heroic because they were in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Those are who your PCs are. So if you just want to have an epic story that talks about the turning of the tide, you you put them in the right place at the right time and push the go button.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, in the epics, oh, you know, the hero slayed this mighty beast when it looked like all hope was lost. Yeah, they rolled a critical hit.
2: Yeah, I know. Oh, by the or
3: way, or the yeah. mighty beast seemed about to slay them,
2: made their saving throw. Yeah, and and they didn't. That that hero didn't have a name before that event happened. By the way, they were just generic human barbarian number thirteen.
0: <laughs> actually, oh, I
1: mean <laughs> Carl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually had that happen in my uh, real life game where the party was. <laughs> Going on an adventure, doing whatever, and uh, they were accompanied by a couple local city guards. And that city guard, one of them, he was guard number four until he critical hit a one of the enemies they were fighting and, and basically ended the combat. So he was guard number four until he became a hero.
1: You young red shirt have earned a name now,
0: exactly. Yep. Yeah, you won't
2: be killed in one shot. Just to show how badass the enemy is, It'll or as,
3: as as Tiffany Corda points out, Grok number thirteen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> grok is what Grok does.
3: Oh, Nathan, that's that's never going to go away. It's it's become less, but Grok is grok part is of his legend. Ever since you made a character sheet,
0: they gave him an. I actually a. don't know if I have that character sheet anymore.
3: It's around here somewhere, I'm sure.
0: You linked it. I did. I don't know where <laughs> or when.
1: Someone has saved that sheet. It's on one of the backups.
0: <laughs> oh yes.
1: Yeah. For all posterity distinct. Congratulations.
3: Corporal Redshirt, Amy.
1: <laughs> it's a name. It's a rank. He's not gonna die now. Speaking right, of
0: so. military ranks. Oh boy. That's a great segue into our next topic, which is epic battles. So I guess with epic battles, where do you even start with that sort of thing? Like, obviously, if we look at traditional examples, you look at things like the Battle of Helm's Deep or... Help me out with some examples. Wow. Uh,
1: Fumble there real quick.
0: Waterloo. Okay, Waterloo.
1: Yeah, Waterloo. Or or you get... uh, Gettysburg? The the really small Warhammer. maybe. Warhammer. Yeah, I mean, where you're taking hundreds of ships and... Oh,
3: oh, 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 the Death Star. Death Star 2. Hi, Marlena. The Death <laughs> Star
1: 2 is a good one. Priorities. Nice, Merlana. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, <laughs> I could have gone to the whole
3: bottle. thing yeah, I move the bottle closer to the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, hell, a great example. Wait, was it Waterloo, British versus French?
2: Yes. Yeah, well, it was the technically point. the Army of the Sixth Coalition, but, you know, the Brits know. were in
1: it's napoleon it was everybody yeah. against. no
3: this france. was before napoleon uh that was really like weird. outnumbered english they chose boggy terrain oh that no. was no that was in england
1: or was i that thought
3: that was in france i thought the they were library. still on campaign it
1: was um, no
3: it wasn't charge of the library Brigade. the english won because they were severely outnumbered but they chose
2: marshy ground Yes, and they forced the French to come up a very narrow channel where they could just pepper them with arrows.
3: Yep, and I don't remember the name of the battle. It was medieval period.
1: Was it one of Henry V in France, St. Crispin's Day?
3: No, it wasn't St. Crispin's Day. I mean, it was, God, it was a brilliant use of tactics because they got heavy cavalry wiped out by archers with hatchets. Like they just waited for the horses and knights to bog down and just waded in without armor and hacked them up. Uh, Thank you. Uh, unspeak- to Bruce. Unspeakable. Unspeakable got Bruce.
2: it. Angicorp. Thank Bruce. you, Unspeakable. Sorry, I was just a little slow in getting to Ashincourt, But yeah, it was Ashencorp. Oh, we were both slow. There's a, whole, we there's a whole slow. song tune to it. It's great. <laughs> epic. Uh, yes, I was epic. right.
1: St. Crispin's Day. It was Henry V.
0: <laughs> okay. So so where do you even start with I an epic have to battle? to put
1: that history to use. Oh, sorry.
0: It's okay. <laughs> I'm recording. So where do you even start with a battle like that? Like, you got to have some context for the battle, obviously. But like, once you get into the actual <laughs> running of the battle.
1: Skittles. You use little the- Skittles for each regiment.
0: <laughs> Let's consider that Dungeons
2: and Dragons was made by a bunch of guys who originally were really, really into wargaming. Mm-hmm. They didn't just say, let's take those wargaming rules and apply them to single character action. They said, let's create a set of rules that it's like the wargaming rules, but works for just one people. So the reverse is also true. You can't just take the rules that we have come to know and love for role-playing games and say, let me just scale this up to a 10,000-person action. Your wrist will die trying to make all of the rolls that are needed.
3: Well, and Tiffany Corda actually already brought up where I was about to head,
2: stealing my thunder
3: again, pointing out small fights amongst a bigger battle. And actually, one of I think the better approaches to that is I don't remember if it was a third or three point five edition supplement, Heroes of Battle, which that was, was- three point five. Okay yeah and that one is all about how do you take your characters and throw them in a war and it was it was small fights big battles so it was instead of oh your characters they're player characters they're heroes like the heroes don't get shoved out on the front line typically so one of the big points of the book you know there's good ideas they had there's bad ideas they had but one of the big ones is treat the players more like a commando unit. They're not on
2: the front line. They're going after strategic objectives. A frontline strategic objective might be defending this salient against all costs because we can't afford to lose. Or riding out to challenge the enemy commander to single combat, which was an actual tactic that worked in war. Sometimes.
1: Um, When you won. Play I post (laughs) an idea. Each player character gets a squadron or a command of their own Mm -hmm. and so you break it up to different folders what we did once at a uh, tabletop convention we had two people who were basically running the whole show and you had each individual table and everything and joe over there cast meteor strike and nearly suck the boat that this table over here was on, but you kind of disperse it and have that sort of thing Mm -hmm. kind of you gotta have stuff going on that affects over there and affects this person and kind of brings it all together.
3: And then you've got some systems even have rules built in where you already have a squad. And I'm gonna regret saying this because it's gonna bite me in the ass. Planet mercenary. It, yeah, yeah. you guys know this is going to come back because some of my players are going to come back and go, hey, you mentioned that again.
1: Oh, yeah. What run, happened to our game? Run.
3: GM? Uh, but it does have in those rules every player is an officer and has a fire team. Shut up, We <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Weaving Myths is a small community, but we all love each other very much. Oh, yeah
3: landed i can't start it again i don't have time landed's one of my players that uh was hurt deeply when i said hey guys i don't have time to run two games planet mercenary is the one getting the axe honestly a good chunk of it was because planet mercenary requires a lot more planning Whereas Stars Without Number is made to be a sandbox, and I just wing that a lot. I mean, I carefully plan every detail. Do you now? In depth encounters.
0: <laughs> hmm.
3: The problem is sometimes some of my players, like the uh, engineer, just doesn't post for like three weeks.
0: I'm getting and better at that. Who plays
3: that the engineer again?
0: I'm getting <laughs> better at that. gets married. I was busy this year. <laughs> I had a lot going of on. <laughs> All right. Yeah, anyway, no. back to battle, no, no, epic no. scale. So you obviously
2: can't ignore everything that is going on outside the player's immediate vicinity. It's got to happen in order for the, the epicness to play out, to be uh, something that they can see going on around them, that they feel like they're in the middle of this gigantic conflict. But it also can't be something that the GM spends so much time dealing with all the details. So you have to have some sort of system that helps you scale that to a manageable amount.
3: If you're running spreadsheets and need a laptop, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: I think it's awesome, but you're doing it wrong. (laughs) You can spend a lot of effort going into the strategic system modeling. There are people who do PhD thesis. If you're really into this, go get your PhD in it because it'll be far more rewarding than doing it for four or five people who really don't care what's going on with random Elvin Pikeman number 14 over there on the right flank when we're over here on the left flank. They just don't. Yeah,
1: yeah, the the Pikemen don't actually domino. That just happens in cartoons
2: And in um, Mel Brooks movies.
1: Well, you
2: know. So you need a system that scales. There are systems out there for wargaming, Some of them are better than others, and I don't think that I'm really qualified to give you a great recommendation on Wargaming because I didn't do a lot of it. I do play a lot of strategic video games, and one of the simple systems that I've seen is one called Warlords, which is an old, like, 1990s era. Yeah, Amy knows what I'm talking about here. Um, (laughs) You're both old.
1: My college (laughs) years. Yeah, Um,
2: top-down, simple, not real-time turn-based strategy game. And its engine is basically roll 1d10 for each side. Add up the various bonuses that they get, whether it's terrain or fortifications or a hero being on their team or a spellcaster or something, and just compare those numbers, and biggest number wins. That's something that can easily be scaled because, okay, the more people you have on your side, just compare the relative ratios of, do I have twice as many troops, four times as many troops? Increase your bonus a little bit to, to reflect that. And then you're down to like one or two rolls determines everything that happens over here on this entire wing of the battle. It's simple. It doesn't have to be an instantaneous. You can't just say, oh, this army completely wipes out the other army in one turn. Probably not going to happen. But it gives you the, the direction and can allow you to describe in your own epic language what's going on to the PC's right as they're having a fight, you know, dangerous fight over this hill. Simple easy i like it use your mileage may vary
3: i think it's a good idea with epic battles like i mentioned earlier treat them like a commando group where applicable have flow charts are wonderful things so here's a battle uses what they call victory points you can use something similar you can just kind of go with what feels right but have it set up you know the pc's actions help their side but they're not guaranteed to necessarily win
1: there has to be that tension like in all storytelling there has to be that doubt that well and
3: in the battle the pcs can still be on the losing side that's Mm -hmm. the point it's a battle the pcs can make a lot of things happen that aid their side and might help them win the battle it's more like dealing with objectives the players. I'd argue shouldn't necessarily be able to complete all the objectives.
0: And a good way to do that, obviously, is make them time-sensitive. We have to hold this thing right now, or this section of the battle is lost. Or- By the same token, if you give them a few...
3: So if you don't give them necessarily one objective, right? if you give them a few options... You can slide in the time sensitive, but also maybe some of those objectives are more heavily defended. And I'm I'm one of those game masters that's a huge proponent of making sure the players understand, yeah, you're tough. You're heroes. I'm not going to make every situation winnable. It's like yeah, you're
1: for the hard decision, well, you know. You're not immortal. You know, what morals are you gonna drop in the middle of battle? Like everybody
3: Well, and then you can give two important objectives, and... Not given the manpower to cover both. Well, a great example was... I liked one of the earlier examples for video games was the Mass Effect series, where they said, you know, you can rescue one of two people. Make your choice. Mm
1: -hmm. That was a good one. I liked that one.
3: I just pretend the end of that trilogy didn't happen, (laughs) and I'm happy that way.
1: Here's your Kobayashi Maru. Which choice are you going to make?
3: Well, Kobayashi Maru was unwinnable, period. This is more like mm, choose who lives and dies.
2: Mm -hmm. That can be a difficult choice to make for people.
3: Well, and then you can also have, I mean, if you're doing something where your players have command of squads, giving a scenario where you can win it, but you're going to have to intentionally choose who's going to be sacrificed.
1: You guys over there, charge this hill. I need you to do this. Yeah. (laughs) And you're going to die.
3: I mean, a lot of it isn't just the battle. It's pulling in the moral quandaries. It's finding a way to kind of incorporate the emotion. Because your player characters aren't going to be the general on the hill at the back. They're going to be in the thick of it. So there should be moral dilemmas. You know, they're right there. They're looking someone in the eye going, Hey, you and your squad charge that hill. Like Amy said,
1: emotion in role-playing games, period gets players invested. And you, you need to throw these things at them. That (coughs) is what everybody's like. Oh, I remember when we had to make this choice. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. It was so well.
3: And then there's, of course, there are situations where you wind up with the player that's just a straight up sociopath and will just go, I'm going to need these once more later. Sacrifice these once. My wife. <laughs> well, everyone is else is debating how to handle the. Oh, well, everyone else in the party is debating. Oh, the child got bitten by a zombie. How are we going to handle this? The mother's right there. And my wife just went, I shoot the kid. With the mother, and she oh, goes away, and it's the apo- oh no 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 she didn't bother with that part just bitten gonna turn pop.
1: Don't have time to debate this. It's gonna bite us, so just it, kill it.
3: That actually was the nail in the coffin for that gaming group. Star Trek. I didn't really have a great choice of players. It was kind of military law enforcement doesn't have many geeks.
0: So I do also want to note that as with any battle. 99% of battles are not fought to the death. Like, true. Probably ninety-nine point yeah. 9. nine repeating percent are not fought to the death.
2: Yeah. Unless no it's one Marines. Has infinite ability to withstand Marines on all sides.
0: Marines.
3: <laughs> uh yeah. which example do you want me to pull out, Eric?
2: Okay. They've done Certain fanatical
3: individuals or groups are known to do the hold against all costs down to the last man. Most battles, there's retreat. Most battles don't go that morale, way. Morale, even if it's not an order to retreat, morale breaks. And once a couple start running, everyone starts running. I'm
1: Erlana. <laughs>
0: House cleaning. Um, joy. I
1: avoid that when I can't.
0: So, I'm curious when you're designing a battle, how much planning do you really need to put into it? Because, like, obviously, you want it to fit cohesively with the story and you want one side to win or lose. But within that, how do you plan for each, like, I guess, beat, like, story beat? Like how do you plan for each of those? Do you just have a list of things and you're like, I'll do this one now? Or or do you have like, no, the battle's gonna progress in these steps? I flowchart it. Okay. It's I don't necessarily, I don't say,
3: you know, this side is gonna win. I don't choose who's gonna win. I well, I approach it as like the army that the players are part of. Here is what like here's how they win, here's how they lose, and the actions of like I said, I like the commando route. So the actions of the players, and it's always time sensitive, are going to influence their army's ability to win. I mean, if it's if it's something plotted out where the Allied army is going to win anyway,
2: That's it's not pretty, a pretty much role-playing game anymore.
3: Yeah, it's novel telling. <laughs> let's face it, you're dealing with player characters. You're dealing with people playing a role-playing game. They like being the underdogs. If you're just rolling over the enemy forces without opposition, you're not you're not really playing anything. That's the game master just letting you talk
2: while you win.
1: Here's your win on a platter with some
2: cheese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've already gone over the the fallacies of GMing, which includes just monologuing, and that's basically what this would be is I'm gonna write a big long narrative about how this army is so awesome and wins the day. And you guys can be there or not. We really don't care. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, attack these
3: objectives, but we're confident of our victory regardless. You're not fighting them.
1: Right. No, you got to have that tension, that doubt. You got to make them work.
2: But having the ability to surrender or to retreat, to fight another day is an important part of that. And one of those things that is hard to model
3: correctly in a strict role playing game sense. Well, if the army starts to break, hopefully your players see that and go, "Oh, we're we can't stay
2: here Well, yeah, but hopefully yeah you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're just like talking yeah. strict movement rate type things, yeah, you, know, you could argue that by the rules as written, there's no way they could outrun their pursuers.
3: another important thing yeah. though, too, is if you're designing around the here's the various things that can happen that the players can influence. The beginnings of a route can be a situation. And your characters, your players can actually be the ones, you know, if they see people starting to retreat, starting to fall back, they can be the ones running in, roaring to go forward and leading by example.
1: Here comes the bard. Uh, so
3: that's not saying around. that if a route begins and a retreat starts, that, you know, that should be, oh, your players have to retreat. That could be a planned scenario oh, this flank is starting to crumble, and your players could look at that and go, we got to get in there.
1: Or yeah. your players could be typical players where it's like, oh, we got to get in there, or we could just rush the buck. Well,
3: oh, it's, it's hard to rush the uh, enemy general when they're way back on a hill behind hundreds and hundreds of bodies. Another important thing, There's too, if you're dealing with fantasy especially You're planning epic battles, especially, oh, God, Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons has artillery.
1: (laughs) They're called pages.
3: Yep. I mean, it's, this isn't so, I mean, it's really important to actually think about that. You've got wizards, and even level one wizards can raise absolute hell. You gotta kind of consider that with the high fantasy systems, trench warfare is probably going to be a little more likely. Like, op- armies openly meeting in the field? Maybe.
2: Until someone drops a glitter dust on them.
3: I mean, it's that's Does one it of takes- those... <laughs> that's one of those things. Because, you know, if you look at it, high fantasy settings, burning hand spell. It's a bloody flamethrower. Straight up. I mean, that is... <laughs> so you've got... And that's Imagine one of the things whole- that magic missile fireballs are artillery. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, that with high fantasy, you always see a lot of portrayal. Yes, there are shield spells, but there don't seem to be as many area shield spells as there seem to be area destroy everything in the
2: circle spells. That's way more fun. Build. Just to ask <laughs> my wife. To
3: research. So it is something to keep in mind. You know, you look at something like Lord of the Rings, Okay, that's not a super high magic setting. If you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, it's not going to be Lord of the Rings, you know, rank upon rank marching into battle. That's six fireballs away from we destroyed an entire regiment. (laughs) It's worth considering, yeah, high fantasy settings. Depending on the setting, to be fair, you know, I haven't delved into Pathfinder a whole lot. I know there's a lot of other high fantasy settings, but D&D at least, you're looking more like Trench Warfare.
1: You're looking more World War I versus water. Mm-hmm.
3: There are wizard spells that do poison gas. Mm-hmm. You are high
2: fantasy World War I Trench Warfare.
1: Oh my gosh, I
2: love it. Unless you're, <laughs> unless you're in Eberron, you don't have armor. Right. And by armor, I mean tanks. Right. Yeah, no. Warforged? humanoid tank? Yeah, now now you start to go into the the (laughs) Magitek side and, okay, maybe you do have tanks. And then you're more like World War II type. uh, Yep. Oh,
0: or like Iron Kingdoms, where you have literal mechs walking around, powered by magic. Yeah, I like that one, (laughs) too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's...
3: That's a really big thing to consider with the high fantasy settings because wizards are artillery units, which actually lines up well with real-world artillery units. They cause a lot of damage, but they're squishy. Yeah, <laughs> you to protect those guys.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Counter battery fire doesn't end well for them when
0: they're hit. All right, so I think we've got one more point to hit real quick. How do you handle when the players do decide hey, there's the big bad evil guy. Let's go take him on. Obviously, you're in a battle, so there's bodies between you and the bad guy. But how do you handle how they affect the battle when they decide that is their only goal?
1: First of all, recharge with the light brigade. And then you um, how to counter it.
0: Or 300.
3: <laughs> I mean, okay, cool. There's the big bad evil guy. You have to go through how many hundred bodies to do it? And I mean, it's, it's not one of those things where, oh, I only have to go through four or five rows of people. No, they're going to see that come and start reinforcing and mob. It's possible they can get to them.
2: Let's go back to English Civil War type territory. There were king versus king struggles where they actually met on the battlefield. So it can happen. It might not have been their objective, but the battle tide might have swept them to a point where the enemy flag is in sight and the lich commander is there, meteor swarming regiment upon regiment. But you're in a position to maybe go engage him now.
1: Yeah. So I'm the almighty king, but you know what? I'm just kind of a peon. So here's my champion, a ninth, 19th level wizard. Good luck.
0: That brings up a interesting topic for possibly another time. But of note, the king is most likely not the highest level character in the hierarchy of that. Nation's army.
1: No, it's his knights or his generals, uh-huh. or it's people that actually do this stuff. The king's just like I'm good at ruling and <laughs> sitting here, pretty much.
2: You could be a 19th level aristocrat.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> roll that bureaucracy. See how well you do.
0: I think we have time for it, so we were not sure if we were going to have time for this, but I do also want to take a couple minutes to talk about epic characters. So. I think this is new territory for the show where we're going to talk about... Normally, we talk about, like, starting a campaign, the middle of a campaign, like, running it, keeping it running. But let's talk about when the characters become epic level. Like, we're going above level 20. We're going into level 30 and above. Like, we suddenly can alter reality. We're becoming demigods. How do we handle characters like that?
1: I used to say, start a new campaign.
0: (laughs)
2: Well, yeah, some players like to play at that high power level. I think there's two big factors here. One is, what's their motivation to keep playing at that level? There has to be something going on that interests them other than just settling down and ruling their kingdom until they Mm -hmm. grow and die or turn into a lich or whatever. But you've got to have a motivation for them to do what it is that they do, or else they're just going to be as bored as the level ones who sit in the tavern not having any motivation to go out other than to drink,
3: Eric. They're the level thirties then, sitting in a tavern Ever. drinking.
2: Right, <laughs> exactly. I mean, uh,
1: no, we're we're not the arguing 30s that, that point. That I think have bought the tavern. Huh,
2: this is my tavern. I drink at. it. There are level fives that have bought the tavern. But that's yeah. I I I own a whole city full of taverns and I drink at whichever one I want.
3: I see For an afraid. Amy husband.
1: No, actually, that was the oldest one. Oh,
3: all I saw was a back, so. We
1: kind of built the office off of
2: his bedroom. Motivation motivation is one factor. (laughs) The second factor is, what's an appropriate challenge for someone of that power level? Because if you can alter reality, in theory, so can your opponents. Mm -hmm. Uh, And how are they going to make your life difficult in a way that you can actually affect back? If they really don't like you, they're going to start researching spells like teleport you into the middle of the negative energy plane just for fun
1: genocide
2: (laughs) there's that too and i think that goes back to the epic storytelling to some degree is that you have to get the players caring about more than just themselves their their characters should be caring about the world the universe that they live in such that when it's threatened that their immediate reaction is to go jump in and try and save Things they may not be the ones who are immediately being put under threat because, well, you know, if you're a big, bad, evil guy, it's a lot easier to go intimidate a bunch of level. <laughs> oh, very nice, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I'm beaten out by the props. <laughs> here I am. Here's your epic, you know, <laughs>
1: you level 30. What do we day. do? Right. The old the
2: one works. The point is that that thing isn't going to go after your level thirty character as their first primary objective. No,
3: They're it's gonna, when the level thirty character says,
2: "We should do something about this," and pokes it. Right then, you have conflict. Before yep. then, you need to create scenarios that invite the players to make a difference, to rise to the epic challenge. Don't just, you know, challenge them with a scry and die. <laughs> oh, a great old one shows up in your tavern and starts wailing on you. Probably not nearly as much fun. Certainly not as good as storytelling.
3: Yeah, just some epic level big bad evil guy starts planning their thing, and it starts to have an effect on what the players care about.
2: You're altering
3: my reality.
1: Yeah you, you don't
3: have to you don't have to plot hook at that point. You just have to go and kick over your player's little sandcastle. <laughs> because they're level 30. They have a sandcastle and you can kick it.
1: It might actually be a literal sandcastle and they're like, hey.
3: I, knowing some of my players, unspeakable. <laughs> that could happen. Actually, un- unspeakable's <laughs> not the
0: terror for once. You know, Call me fate as the terror. <laughs> you know, I actually watched a video on youtube about one punch man and how that anime is almost literally the epic level rpg character problem summed up in a nicely wrapped story and yeah
1: I i'll have to that. see if
0: i can find the video but it 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 sums up my thoughts on that topic very well i'll have to see if i can find it very good anime, highly recommended. Watch it with the context that the main character is a high level RPG character. Yeah, no,
1: that makes a lot of sense if you look at it that way. And but yeah, it's it's
0: good. Okay, so just for fun, let's do this real quick. Oh, if you were to throw <laughs> a bad guy at your level thirty party, what would you throw at them? Tarask. That's, that's only think- level twenty.
3: They can't kill it. The rules state you can't kill it. I
1: mean... And yeah, you can tweak you can, things. Can, How do you, you deal with something you can't kill? Dimension. Throw
2: it in a pocket dimension if you're that Teleport it to tweak the, the energy plane. Tweak the monster. Going back to motivation, you also have to make it so that it's fair. Yeah. And this, this goes back to something we've, I think, talked about before, certainly at the lower levels, which is um, making sure that you tailor your opposition to the character so that they have a fair chance to win but that it's not necessarily that any tool in their toolbox is going to do the job they have to figure out the right tool for the job
3: and this is where you and i differ on that point eric because i quite often throw unwinnable scenarios at the players and the only way to win is to not get involved
2: okay okay but uh, generally no, at,
3: at level 30, that's, that's different at level 30. You've got, Oh, if we don't do something, the world ends.
2: Yeah. Well, I, And, and the great old one, the aliens, the whatever win. But I don't think this, I was necessarily saying that uh, you have to give them winnable scenarios, but if you are going to give them an appropriate challenge, don't just say, Hey, uh, let me go read every spell on the wizard's character sheet and have a counter for every single one already in my back pocket so that right. wizard, I just neutralize entirely. That's not going to be fun for the wizard. So you got to give the wizard some ability to affect the state of play.
3: I like what Tiffany Cordes pointed out saying, you know, discourage the straight punchy
2: punchy. Yes, that is the point that I was trying to go after is that the you can't just say, well, I'll drop a fireball on it and walk away. That generally ends up being a less than satisfying encounter design. Just ask my wife.
1: <laughs> well, no, it was immensely satisfying. Oh. It was just Two <laughs> <few>
2: hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One spell kill.
1: <laughs> I was not expecting a one spell kill.
2: Fine. Anyhow.
1: But it was gratifying because I've never soloed <laughs> a Hydra before. No, Coming soon. I don't Come
3: in you. soon. There will be a Spouses of Mythweavers episode. Absolutely. That's coming.
1: Can I get my husband on instead
3: of me? Ooh. Yeah. We still need you to show
1: right. I don't know if write. we do it, but
3: yeah. We still need you to show right. Well,
1: yeah, totally.
3: Amy's our show writer. We'd be lost without her by this point. We ran out of good topics. Oh, yeah. We sure did. Chibi's, keep, Chibi's or I guess, keeping us afloat. I guess not, not good topics. We ran out of easy topics. That's
2: true. Yeah. Well, we've got a long list of not easy topics. It is far more easy to throw together a weaving mist us tabletop.
0: That's true. Coming soon.
1: I can't wait for that all out of bubblegum episode, by
2: the (laughs) way. That's going to be good. Oh, God, we're going to be...
3: I mean, we're not going to be plastered at all. We're on Twitch. (laughs) Maybe you won't be. No, (laughs) I mean, to be fair, Nathan, one beer and off you go.
0: (laughs) What? What? Oh, my. (laughs) That sounds like a challenge. Are you asking for a challenge? <laughs> if anyone
3: wants to know what Nathan sounds like a wee bit tipsy, go to the one where Rodrigo guest starred. You're Service not wrong. <laughs> oh, he pre-gamed to hell and gone once I told him Rodrigo was joining us.
0: I mean, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you just had to prepare for the sexiness of that man's voice.
3: Mm. Rodrigo has a hell of a set of pipes on him.
1: That's why he does music
0: This week's game of the week is Silver City Sojourn, being run by Chase. Silver City Sojourn is a classic World of Darkness game using the Werewolf the Apocalypse variant and the 20th anniversary edition of the rules. If that's not a system, I don't know what is. We've talked about World of Darkness several times on the show, and every time, it's been nothing but positive The system takes well to play by post and allows for fantastically creative and deep stories for both characters and the world Speaking of deep stories, Chase has laid the groundwork for just such a game. To quote Chase, I love telling stories of struggles and overcoming obstacles. My goal is to tell a great story, but I don't want to do that at the cost of the enjoyment of the players. To that end, Silver City Sojourn is a gritty, dark, and challenging experience designed to test the player's ability to make choices and overcome great obstacles. Chase is looking for eight players, and applications close on January 11th, so be sure to get those applications in swiftly. Um, do have, have any a, of you uh, gamed with Chase? Chase before?
1: Yes, I do regularly.
0: Okay, how's that going?
1: I love Chase. That's actually Luxon in, in there. Played a Star Wars game and really good at collaborating and awesome backstory. and uh, Yeah, I like it.
0: Awesome, good.
1: <laughs> do you have the post? Button? Oh, I
0: do. Yeah, oh my God. Thank you. I do. I have it ready to go and everything. Here we go. C- oh, nope, that's not the right one. Here we go. Okay. Silver City Sojourn. So
3: remember when you prepared for the past like hour before the show started? You know what? Pepperidge Farm remembers.
0: <laughs> so um, it's a pretty, I actually really like this divider thing. I like when people do these little like dividers.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> I found it actually. Oh, did
0: you? <laughs> But yeah, there's there's tons of information here. All the all the important information. There's a decently long um in-character little backstory blurb and uh description of the game, character creation, all the different links. I mean, this is a pretty good ad as far as Mythweavers goes, for sure. Pretty good, he says, with that subtle critical
2: and judgmental tone. What? <laughs> <laughs> pretty soon Nathan will have a rubric for grading ads,
0: <laughs> oh,
2: and then we'll be done.
3: Uh, Eric, will it you say allowed? that like it's still pending? This is Nathan we're talking about. There's already a draft rubric
2: for ad grading. If the checklist was there, he would have posted it somewhere already for all of us.
3: I'd like to point out he's not saying anything. I don't have a rubric for ads. Oh, sure. You argue it when I put you on yeah. the spot.
1: Uh, character <laughs> applications, ads, they're all the same, right?
3: I I really need to uh, just have a standby link for the Dread rubric.
0: It's really not just that so bad. Just so whenever it comes... It's really not that bad. Really
3: not that bad. <laughs> Says the person doing the judging not applying.
0: It's really not that bad.
3: Unless you're a 21 out of 25... And you're watching everyone else get judged for the next three weeks, and oh man, there's another 21, another 21, and oh shit, it's did gonna come down to Nathan rolling 1d2.
1: Did you ever see my application for his Starfinder game? No, it was a beautiful and yeah, not a 25, it was a beautiful application, and then there was another application I did for Dungeon World. <laughs> Which the description was bad love poetry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> the bad love poetry, poetry scored on higher, didn't it?
1: No, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, if you couldn't tell, we're in the free for all segment of the show now. <laughs> So, once again, the free-for-all segment of the show is back again. In this segment of the show, we're going to open the floor for questions and answers, but we're also going to allow myself and my fellow casters to talk about anything we'd like. As always, this is going to be pretty unstructured. Colin? Straight Nathan (sighs) roast. Got it.
2: This is where we get to take free shots at Nathan, right?
0: (laughs) But this this segment of the show gives us the freedom to talk about other things and still answer questions as they come in. So before we get started, even though we've already started, Colin. uh, Oh, like those two weren't complicit. (laughs) We have the mandatory question. I admit it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Which is, what's making us happy this week? And we're going to start with Colin. (laughs) So what's making me
3: happy is Amy has been bailing my ass out for the past several weeks with design work for a coming trade show. Yeah, you're on the spot for that one, Amy. (laughs) Yep. Reminds me, I need to throw payment your way still. But yes. List for the brochure. And I have to give you information so you can finish the brochure. Mind you, I didn't ask for a trifold brochure. I actually didn't ask for a brochure. Amy just went, hey, I've got this trifold brochure, blah, 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 blah. I need... (laughs) Uh,
1: You you need one for the trade
2: Yeah, you really do.
3: Oh, I... Glossy. A brochure was planned. A trifold was, oh God. I see an Amy husband. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> for a moment, though, there was this extreme glare off the head. It was like looking in the mirror. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the greatest part is she didn't hear it. But it'll be on the recording for her. Oh, to it'll back. be on the recording. All right. This is why you never, ever take off your headset.
0: Next Kel up and is Jack's Eric.
2: <sighs> oh, well, um, my entire family was together for Christmas for the first time in, I don't know how many years. There was no snarling. There was no fisticuffs. It was <laughs> a good Christmas. No one stormed out and drove away. So, yeah. <laughs> Good Christmas! that is a good Christmas also my wife is awesome and gave me the most awesome Christmas gift which I have to show everyone here Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. shiny nice uh-huh. this is the Dungeons and Dragons 40th edition art and arcana book which tells you all about all of the wonderful artwork which is much more interesting than my face <laughs> yeah oh, that's
3: really cool
1: I, I just got
2: to I just
3: gotta interject real quick. Mm, you measure that doorframe, Mr. Amy.
1: <laughs> no, no. He's putting
3: in. He's, he's measuring the doorframe. So
2: it's valid.
1: So
3: and Nathan's face went a little red at that one.
0: Oh,
2: boy. Okay. <laughs> so that's what they're calling it these days.
0: <laughs> Amy, what's making you happy this week? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Twitch chat. Text chat. I'm I'm so... I'm trying. Text (laughs) chat. I'm sorry. I'm trying.
1: I got a new t-shirt.
0: Hey! Yes. Yes. Very nice.
1: (laughs) It was a good Christmas. I got a 10 terabyte backup drive.
2: Mm. Nice.
1: A new microphone, which is very nice. New headphones. And apparently I taught my husband something. He didn't know it's... Really loud on the other side of it. You know, I, I could deal with that. Teaching someone they didn't know before. So. <laughs> and I took apart my mixer, and I found out what was wrong, and now I have to send it into KitchenAid to fix.
3: I mean, to be fair,
2: the Mythweavers General Chat predicted what was wrong. We have an impressive amount of mechanical knowledge among Mythweaver's general chat. The no, engineers
3: tend to run rampant.
1: Yeah, yeah but none of them realized that the post was too long and was scraping metal shavings off the top of the planetary gear.
3: No, we definitely predicted gears ate themselves.
1: No, not the gear, the housing, well, the shaft, the shaft, what? and the housing above the planetary.
3: Okay, fine. The gearbox ate itself. Close enough. The
1: gears are <laughs> all fine.
2: Thing, things ate themselves. Bad. Sounds things. like it came out of alignment then it should have been lower down. And yeah, Eric,
3: Eric, back- Eric, back- Eric, we can't, we can't go straight engineer here. We torture
0: general with that enough. Okay, fine. <laughs> this, is <a> free-for-all. <laughs>
1: this is the free for all.
0: This is the free for all. All right. And what's making me happy this week is I had an excellent holiday. Mrs. Nate and I have our roommate has been out of the house for the week, so we have been playing board games, and we got a slew of new RPG books, and uh, we put together Mrs. Nate's box throne, so all of our board games have a home now. And y'all have been playing the hell out of Seven Days to Die. Yes, we have.
3: And they haven't invited me.
1: Hey, Colin.
3: No, you have been busy, supposedly.
0: Really? Because all I've been doing is
3: playing Astroneer?
0: Yeah, and uh, what about that uh, little 3D design project I asked you to do?
3: That's having issues. I blame the models you provided no, in all seriousness, there's something wonky going on there I'm still trying to figure out. Okay. <laughs> it is it is something with the models, but I don't actually blame you. Well, that's good, because I didn't make the models, so. I blame you for dragging me into it, but I don't blame you for the models. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Nathan? Uh-huh. Question from the chat. Chase wants to know if... They'll
0: get their ad rating uh, when you finish the rubric. No, Run. but you will be getting Run. a gold medal for being game of the week. On the ad. Yes. It comes to Nathan signed. It's very shiny.
1: We don't have that many Patriots to send you a gold medal. <laughs>
2: <sighs> we also
3: don't have badges, which is unfortunate.
0: I mean, uh, I've been saying for years like we need
2: MythFaber is- swag. Well, if there was only a director of community engagement.
0: I love how wide his eyes just got when you said that. Wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. I was not aware that my job included swag.
3: <laughs> you know, Nathan, I wasn't aware that a chat with the community meant podcast either. <laughs> <laughs> I just... No, no, your job does not involve swag. Your job involves doing social media,
2: so I don't have to.
0: I mean, I could do swag. No, does that
2: stop it. I mean, I do it. the swag. <laughs> I could, I guess. Amy is now director of swag.
1: <laughs> if, I'll take that title.
2: <laughs> if
3: only we had a graphic artist and someone skilled in layout. Oh, wait. I mean, you can we have a work. graphic there's a, artist. There's a thousand. We, we have someone skilled in layout. One's on staff, one does show writing. No, Ruben's
0: the graphic artist.
3: I mean, you can literally go <laughs> You're online... You're the layout person, Amy.
0: ...and find an instant, <laughs> like, custom T-shirt thing, so...
1: Cafe Press?
0: Yeah,
2: like... Um, cap- no, no, no. So, so Chase wants to know, <laughs> can the badge be traded in for players?
0: Chase no. needs players. The idea of the badge is to help draw in players, so... Kind of? To be fair, I mean... The ideas to
3: draw on the players at the same time, it's weaving myths were not exactly mainstream, even on our own website.
2: Only we if, had a director of community engagement. Oh, like, ouch! That That's a low blow.
3: <laughs> I'd like to point out Nathan became director of community engagement in the past like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: it's, so he's uh, just he starting. To have social in media. I'm sure that Nathan will one day make this even more awesome than it already is. The fact that we're sitting here having a chat about gaming was inconceivable. What? 18, twenty months ago. And then it just happened.
3: You're welcome. Oh no, I, I blame Nathan for so much. Really? What the hell? Uh, oh no, 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 no. So you can't need even a escape on this.
1: Discord that says it's all Nathan's fault.
3: Oh God. Yes. Here's the layout one. Make that happen. So, a little history on how the Myth Weavers Discord happened. So, Nathan, hit me up because I'm the admin that apparently isn't the scary one. Yes. Go ahead and argue no. this. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, no, no, please argue this, Nathan. Yes, Tell me Rodrigo doesn't still intimidate you. But also, no. <laughs> so, the way the Discord started. Which I mean, hell, Discord is what we're using right now for the video chat for Weaving Myths. So this started with Nathan approaching me and saying, "Hey, so way, way back in the day, Myth Weavers had the shout box. We had a live text chat. Back in 2006, 2007, a live text chat was kind of expensive to run resource-wise on a server. We had to kill it. Now, we had an unofficial IRC for a while. For those of you that remember IRC." And then Nathan approached, God, it's been what, almost two years now, Nathan? Uh, something like that, yeah. I think we're coming up on two years. Nathan hit me up and said, hey, you know, what do you think about creating an official Mythweavers Discord? Said, oh, sure, you know, I'm not against it. You know, kind of come up with the general framework. I'll talk to Rodrigo about it. And I talked to Rodrigo about it. And he said, oh, yeah, sure, that's that's fine. You guys have to run it. I don't have time, which is fair. Yeah, accurate. Yep. So I came back to Nathan and said, yeah, we got the green light. We can make an official Discord, you know, take a little time. We'll set it up. And I swear to God, 10 minutes later, Nathan goes, hey, it's live. We need an announcement thread a notice, please. I mean, you're not wrong. At which point, uh, language that is not suited to Mythweavers came out of my mouth. And I still, for some reason let me make the notice, let me make the announcement thread, and I did it, and then we spent the next week getting flooded with verification requests.
0: It was awesome.
3: I think Nathan was drunk or high the entire time. It was not awesome. It was (laughs) madness. It was, let's figure out how to run a multi-hundred-user server as it happens.
2: Yeah, and here we go. The whole role system had to be rolled out in retroactively. Oh god, the rolls
3: were rolled out retroactively. It was chaos. It was three to four months of what do we do now? And it was chaos. Rolling the dice, literally almost. And mind you, I love that it happened. I love that Nathan helped set it up. But oh my god, Nathan Nathan is in charge of community development and managing social media, more like a punishment. Except Nathan doesn't view it as a punishment. Yeah. And then
2: just as soon as we get that all tamped down, he's like, hey, maybe we should do like a podcast or something.
3: No, no, no. He said, let's do a live chat with the community.
2: Uh, yeah, that's right. Live, live chat. chat.
3: I was, God, it was what, four months into my side business? I was working late. Hey, Nathan, I'm going to be late for the, uh, the little live chat. Oh, okay, you know, we'll just work you into the podcast when you get here. Podcast? <laughs> so I mean, What do you mean podcast, Nathan? And he says,
0: oh, it's a podcast now. Great. <laughs> We're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to direct your attention to the stream because this can be a thing. Except it's going to look a lot better once Amy gets done with. It. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I'm just saying, this could totally be a thing.
3: So Mythweaver swag is something being worked on.
1: Well, we
2: have to have it for the uh, for the potluck.
0: It's
1: yes at, at your house for New Year.
2: Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, um... <laughs> might be a little late to get it for New Year's, but uh,
1: Valentine's what? Valentine's
2: Day. Mm, mm-hmm. We bring all our spouses. They have an
3: escape
1: Ooh, room.
3: But Mythweaver's swag a
1: good time.
3: is something being worked on. We have an now? escape room just down the street. I know, Ooh. right? Actually, I think they run like two or three different themed rooms at once. That's cool. We've got these escape rooms and breweries all over. I'm, welcome to Kalamazoo. It's <laughs> real.
2: Start eating the people yeah. from the nuclear meltdown room. <laughs>
3: Well, no, so Mythweaver swag is something being discussed that is going to be slowly development uh-huh. due to other projects. You know,
0: guess what just happened with Patreon? What just happened with Patreon, Nathan? They partnered with a swag company so we can oh. offer swag as Patreon rewards.
1: Ooh, 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 ooh. Ideas.
0: Our, our,
2: our design ideator just went into overdrive.
3: Amy, do you yeah, want your name to become time. blue? Because this is how your name becomes
2: blue. <laughs> Mouse clicks. She just <laughs> leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, she says, do it.
3: No, no. Amy's she not says, on the says, uh, short please. list for staff. She gets her vote. Yet.
1: Now you hurt my feelings.
3: Thanks. Oh, no. because. Uh, Right now, it's just, if you become staff, you have to become a moderator, too. Mm. Yeah. That's, we don't want to do that to you. That's yeah. why.
2: Corporate restructuring is higher on the plan. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
3: So I'll say this on nice Weaving Myths.
1: Not nice names given in my I'll
3: say this on like Weaving that. Myths. There's a lot of stuff coming.
1: <clears throat> Thanks, Chase. Thanks.
3: Very, very big stuff. And Eric doesn't even know it all.
2: No, bigly, bigly stuff. I've gotten roped into enough to know exactly how big the iceberg approximately is.
3: Amy knows how big the iceberg is. Eric, you have no idea how big the iceberg is. It's pretty big. Nathan has no clue. He just has been dealing with me tormenting him for months.
0: I've given him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, my, my,
2: uh, my throw into the deep end uh, has indicated exactly how much is going on
3: how many people can go on video chat at once? Eight? Yeah, I think it's eight. Seven
0: or eight? Something like that. Why? We're going to have to have the master chat, aren't we? Oh, my mama. Let's see. Now, if you you do Discord Nitro, it's more.
1: Yeah, Hmm. but that costs money. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Patreon. We really have to. Or Google Hangouts. Yeah, that'll work, too.
1: I guess yeah. Oh he's pulling up. if he pulls out his toes next we're
3: I mean I can only think of seven bodies we need. Amy, we're gonna do that video chat with a few more bodies than one. Okay. It'll be fun.
0: Okay. I've given up trying to guess.
3: <laughs>
2: I just know I just know that my part is already fun.
3: Oh and god. It- There's skunkworks that ties in. Literally. And I'd just like to point out, I'll admit Skunkworks exists. I will not tell you who's involved beyond, obviously, me. And I won't tell you what's involved. Okay.
1: I think you've kind of hinted that I'm involved.
3: Okay, Amy's involved. But Amy doesn't talk.
1: Much. To anyone.
3: Except to Nathan and me. Oh, no. She won't I tell you guys about I'm this. Mostly because now she wants you guys in video when we do talk about this
1: it should be interesting
3: oh it'll be hilarious we're definitely recording that okay
0: (laughs) all right um it's about that time before we move on to the end of the show does anyone have any last minute questions
2: (laughs) myth weasels all
1: right
2: last chance for questions
3: Unless it's unspeakable, because I do not trust you, mate. (laughs) And you have earned that lack of trust in spades. (laughs) What do you mean?
2: European or African swallow? Damn it, you took it before I could get to it.
0: (laughs) I should know better than to ask for questions. Okay.
3: That's mild. (laughs) Think of what happens when Chimi is involved. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, actually we had a good half-hour conversation about types of cheese because of a chimi question. <laughs> What's wrong with cheese? Oh, Nathan was twitching, but the rest of us had a great discussion about different types, aging, smoked, not smoked. It was fantastic. It was a wonderful discussion. I don't remember what episode that was. Was it After Dark? It got edited no. out. Oh, you monster. Hey, Nathan, by the way, when is the uh, bloopers reel going to have him?
1: Really, there
3: should be one. Oh, I just want the uh,
0: David blooper reel. I'm going I'm to read the script. The script. <laughs> I'd like to take just a moment to remind everyone that this episode of Weaving Myths is made possible by our Patreon. For those of you that don't know, Patreon is a method for content creators to gain income through the support of those who consume the content. Our Patreon over- offers a multitude of ways to support the show, and you'll get awesome rewards for signing up under any of the tiers. Contributions start at as little as $1 per month, so it doesn't take much at all to show your support. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com MythWeavers. All contributions to the Patreon go to paying for the online hosting of the show and supporting MythWeavers, the site we are honored to be a part of. Part of the upcoming, or actually part of the current MythWeavers story crafting contest is made possible by Weaving Myths patrons. So some of the prizes available for that are available because of our Patreon. One last thing I should note, Weaving Myths is, always has been, and will always continue to be free, and signing up for the Patreon is never required. Full episodes are always uploaded to SoundCloud within two days of the episode being recorded, and all normal episodes will be available for download or streaming free of charge. And before we move on to the storycrafting bit, got some shoutouts to our patrons. We've got John D., Amanda C., Michael B., Chimmy Changa... Damn it, Chimmy!
1: <laughs>
0: Claire F., Amy G. Got yeah, him. And Christopher M.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one, good one. Jimmy, Jimmy sees this <sighs> script and changes it every single time.
0: Oh, every time. Okay, so... Before we wrap up for the evening, there's one last thing we need to talk about, the Mythweaver Story Crafting Contest, which I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Entries have officially started and are open until February 16th, so there's plenty of time to enter for that. If you don't know, the Story Crafting Contest is a short story contest where the entrants will be drawing inspiration from the name of a holiday, the Day of Bones. The grand prize is a hardcover copy of the World of Farland RPG book, a signed copy of Night in Silence by I'm going to butcher this name, and McGuire. and McGuire, Shannon McGuire, Seanan McGuire, and a signed copy of a Jim Butcher book. The exact book is to be determined. Uh, runner-ups uh, will be getting the twi- will be getting twenty five dollar gift cards to Drive RPG, and that gift or that reward specifically is provided by our very generous patrons.
3: One modification to the Farland one, it's actually a hardcover book and a PDF copy.
0: Oh, very nice. Excellent.
3: Yep. And uh, that was something that Farland actually went in and modified himself.
0: Okay, awesome. Good. So, thank you everyone so much for joining us today. It's been a blast, and we appreciate all of the comments (laughs) and questions from the text chat. As always, I'm Nathan. I've been joined by the magnificent Colin. Nice seeing everyone again. Amy. Bye! And Eric.
2: So long and thanks for all the games.
0: Thanks for listening and keep on weaving those myths.